0: Welcome back to Ben and Matt's marvellous journey, this is an MCU podcast, this is episode 30, it's Black Widow, we're at triple digits now, Uh, we're not at triple digits, we're in our third, uh, forget all of that. We're Uh, in our third decade. (laughs) We're in our third decade, (laughs) technically true, of Marvel movies. My name is Matt Woodson, I'm joined as always by Ben Phillips. Ben, are you ready to talk about the hottest movie of 2018, Black Widow? Or Go whenever on. it was originally going to come out. It was originally oh.
1: going to come out 2020. 2020 okay. It should
0: have come out in, like,
1: 2017.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there should have been a Black Widow movie a long time ago. Like, <laughs> I understand that also isn't a Hawkeye movie, but come on. You got that. The Avengers is a huge hit. Hawkeye sucks. Black Widow was popular. You had Scott Yeah, you've got ScarJo, who was early on the biggest movie star they had. But girls don't buy toys. So, or boys don't buy toys off girls, I suppose, is, like, Paul argument. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, so, I mean that's, the, that's the only reason this doesn't happen, is I'm sure Feige's, like, we have Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett Johansson is, the entire time that she is part of the MCU, starring in movies that are doing well at the box office, like,
0: she mm-hmm. is in Lucy, and, like, like she is... I love of- that's the first one you go to. I know it made money, but it's really bad. <laughs> Sure,
1: but it still made almost five hundred million dollars at the Global Box office. Sure. Despite being like a completely original IP and Mm -hmm. it is so fully just
0: her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean she she's the rare MCU actor who is thoroughly tied to Marvel, makes lots and lots of appearances, but does keep doing whatever she wants and it's commercially and critically successful for the most part, obviously. You have a ghost in the shell in there. Uh, You have her making the various comments she makes about... Well, she's a meme, isn't she? She's Asian and trans. Yes. (laughs) But, you know... uh, On the flip
1: side of it, she's in, like, two of my favourite movies of 2013. And uh,
0: John is the other movie that she's in in 2013. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, the things she said were dumb. I think most celebrities say dumb things. They get microphones shoved in their face and get asked leading questions that are very easy to make them, look dumb. I think she's a very good actress and I I have no more beef with her as a, as an individual human being than I do like anyone else in Hollywood so I think all that gets blown a little bit out of proportion personally but hey, if you if you feel otherwise you're well justified in that feeling yeah, so I
1: mean, I, th- I think it's
0: interesting to
1: just immediately cuz what she's cast as Black Widow at the age of 24 25 as a replacement for Emily Blunt like yeah, Emily like Blunt is just
0: determined to not be in, in the MCU
1: <laughs> Because uh, yeah, cause she's she is stupidly young when she comes to the scene. Because obviously yeah. she's like what sixteen when she's in Ghost World. She's eighteen when she does like Lost in Translation. But mm-hmm. because she's got this long tail, she always feels that like she's been an adult in the industry for so much longer than she actually has. Like yeah. she's not forty yet. She's still young. She's younger than like any of the men who are cast to play yeah. these heroes. And she's retired now before all of them functionally. Yeah. yeah and it's, <laughs> in, it's controversial in controversial fashion. Yeah. But it's interesting to contrast that with she's cast at twenty-five as as Romanov, doesn't get this solo movie until literally, presumably her final appearance in this thing, which is also being used to springboard someone who is being cast as a lead in the MCU at the age of twenty-five, who mm-hmm. in nebulously we do not know when they're gonna get their leading role.
0: Who also is managing to do Marvel and critically uh, successful things. I mean, the hope is that Florence Pugh just has a nicer decade than ScarJo got. I mean, you know, it's not like ScarJo was hard done by, like, I think she was the highest-grossing actress. Um, yes, but obviously that's because she's in all the Avengers movies, she's in the Captain America movies, she does like sure, Junker sure, 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 as well. sure. But I'm saying, you know, it's not like poor her, poor her, but, you know, compared to her male co-stars in Marvel, she had a worse journey than them. You know, there is that funny interview where somebody actually decided to ask Mark Ruffalo all the sexist questions and then asked her actually thoughtful ones and you can tell she loved that because that is reflect. like you look at any fucking interview for Iron Man 2, Avengers, uh, Winter Soldier, all of that shit they are constantly asking over her about her body, the costume, all that shit. And, you know, you know, she didn't get a solo movie. The mooch, she finally does get one. There's so much turmoil behind the scenes with it. COVID happens. It has, like, three different release dates, three different press cycles, three different posters. They have to keep cutting new trailers to keep people interested in it. And then it gets dumped out on Disney+, Plus and she has to sue them because she's lost out on a shitload of money. So you hope Florence Pugh basically gets the path that Scarja should have got.
1: To, to preempt some of the conversation that we're having later... I feel like Florence Pugh is possibly the single best piece of casting that Marvel have done yeah. in terms of like a bankability of a future star. Oh, like, yeah. I'm looking at like every single person they're casting the MCU, and everyone is either coming off a string of failures, yeah. they are a new star who Marvel is basically minting, or like, yeah. like someone who is like, it's a Chris Hemsworth type who's like, everyone's like, who? And, and basically, like, that, that yeah. seal of approval basically makes him bankable star yeah. in other fashions. Or it's kind of a Paul Rudd or a uh, Mark Ruffalo who's just someone who just does a lot of projects. And, and they, do, they take
0: some swings on some young people that don't become... I guess that is Chris Hemsworth. Like they, they took a swing. He should be a movie star. He's very charismatic and he is a good actor. He's not, though, really. Um, he's not really had a success outside of Marvel. Some of that, you know...
1: Wait, like, what's his is Rush is
0: probably his most successful yeah. project outside and of I, I love him in Rush he's very good in Rush Rush made me think he should be Bond to be honest controversial <laughs> statement there yeah I know. Right. but Florence Pugh is already basically a star and, and they had her before that quite became true that's the thing they had her performance already in the bank before like you know Little, I guess before Little Women. No, I guess, yeah, yeah so Little, little, so little Women comes she is, out she and she gets all the buzz, but she she, mo- she went directly from Little Women to Midsummer and then went straight from that to Black Widow or something? No, no,
1: so basically she is, she is filming Black Widow at the same time that, like, Midsummer, Little Women and Fighting With My Family come out. Like, that's right. her, like, three movies in 2019. It starts off, like... Wildly. Oh, she
0: came from Midsummer to the set of Little Women, that was it. Yes. And she, it was like, how have you emotionally decompressed from this? How have you shown up to do... <laughs> I'm not saying it's like the happiest film in the world, Little Women, but it's a very different tone. And yes. she's just ready day one, uh, the and then she like... goes over to do Black Widow, I guess. Yeah, she goes to do Black Widow. The world shuts down. She then
1: becomes like a social media star over the course yeah. of a year. Paddington <laughs> tweets at her because she makes
0: marmalade. <laughs> she is in a relationship with like a 55-year-old dude. Um, who is who is directing her next movie? <laughs> Great, wonderful, love it. Not um, predatory at all. She wasn't born when Scrubs started. Just just thought I'd throw that out there. But on the flip side of it, she's also
1: doing Olivia Wilde's follow
0: up to Book Smart yeah. and she's in the new Christopher
1: Nolan movie. Like yeah. she
0: yeah.
1: is she is making <laughs> the smart. The Parade of White People cho- movie. <laughs> <laughs> she is making smart career choices yeah. and is getting to do this. And at some point presumably she's gonna come back to the MCU.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. No.
1: But, like, yeah, like, you look at her future projects, it's like, this is someone who's going to hang around for a while. This is someone who is nailed. Like, it, it's hard to, like, she feels like she is kind of at that cross section of, like, stand culture, but, like, not at the point where we're getting into, like, the pop stars who get the really, really annoying stands <laughs> who are, like, I'm going to. I, there was something I was watching the other day where, like, when BTS lost a Grammy over the weekend, there was just a tweet that was someone screaming.
0: Yeah. And it's that, that was the tweet. concerning. Like, I, I made the, you know, when I worked where we used to work, I made the comment that, like, One Direction is the closest any pop act has been to the Beatles in, like, like since the Beatles, and now it's BTS. And obviously people laughed at me, because I'm not saying they're as good as the Beatles, but in terms of, like, there are people who seem mentally ill because of how much they love this this act <laughs> you know, like it's
1: wild yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because it feels like the only the place that has that more often than not is female pop stars with with gay men mm. feels like the the kind of the crowd of all of it and it's the ones that cross over into being the teen girl fandoms yeah that that get to that level of like a BTS or get uh-huh. to a uh, one direction level. This um, is our pop music podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but no but it is interesting to look at like who are the actresses nowadays that have that kind of like stand yeah. culture. Around she's just them.
0: she's she's found herself perfectly in the in the middle of all of these different zones. Like you look at her and you look at Tom Holland. You know, like someone who is so thoroughly flamed out on playing Spider Man because he's had to do it so much, so desperate for a hit outside of Marvel hasn't found one at all and he's like in his early 20s and looking like he wants to retire although I think they've backed up the money truck and he's now like oh no I love playing Spider-Man and then you look at her and it's like you know I mean you know she hasn't made six Spider-Man appearances in like six years like he has or whatever it is but you know she she's done a Marvel movie and she's participated in Hawkeye and she's presumably down for more but then she's also like, is she Oscar nominated? or Yeah, she's she's an Oscar nominated actress yeah, now for, for Little Women. Yeah, and signed up for, you know, you, you reeled it off, all the stuff uh, from all the big directors, all the exciting directors. Yeah, it's kind of like Tom like Holland she, must look at her and be like, how have you done it? Yeah,
1: she is, she is doing the thing that so many Marvel stars don't do. And it's like, you look at Robert Downey Jr. and he doesn't do a non-Marvel movie for most of the 2010s after he does like, Chef and Sherlock Holmes are, like, yeah, his it, two non-Marvel appearances. Was until the soloist
0: he does. before Iron Man,
1: or...? Uh, like, it's the soloist, the judge, the the, the Sherlock mm, Holmes judge. movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all, like, they're done by 2014, and then for the <laughs> second half of the 2010s, he is just in the Marvel wheelhouse until he comes out and does Dolittle. Yeah. Like, you, you look at these Marvel actors, yeah. and none of them, apart, unless you are, like, a Mark Ruffalo or Paul Rudd, is really doing anything outside mm. of
0: I don't even understand it, because, like, is it that people don't want to put you in things because they think you've got Marvel stink on you? I think it must, it's just similar to what happened with Renner, where Renner has
1: Mission Impossible going off the side.
0: Yeah. And,
1: like, he's basically flip-flopping between doing a Mission Impossible movie and a Marvel movie, but Marvel have these, like, deadlocked contracts that are like, if we need you, you are there. Like, yeah, and so he doesn't get to do Mission Impossible Fallout because they need him the entirety of Infinity War, which he isn't even mm. in because they're like, well, we <laughs> might start shooting Endgame at some point. But they did shoot them at the same time, didn't they? So... Yeah, but like we don't know whether or not they were doing okay. both of them simultaneously, yeah, or whether or not yeah. they wrapped Infinity War first and then moved on to Endgame. But he sure, be. but
0: like I think the notion of him you know, you go listen to Secret Agent Men, obviously there was seemed to be some sort of plan to transition over to him leading Mission Impossible that they immediately bailed out of. Like, it's not like he was... I know you like him in Mission Impossible. I thought he was fine. I don't think that was gonna blow up. And it's, you know, he, he took his swings in between this stuff. Like, he had his fucking... Um, Hansel, and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel I mean to be, to be like to be honest Jerry Renner's career has been disappointing ever since his one two punch yeah. with Hurt Locker and The Town like he did those two movies yeah. and
1: you're like wow this is the next great star and then the next ten years
0: is like okay mm. yeah, I just you know I think he's just an asshole in real life and I think that probably doesn't help anything but yeah no it is weird like I, some of them probably have the stink on them some of them it's like I don't want to deal with a world where like you could be just called away to go do a dumb green screen movie but like some of these people are, like, big stars, actually good actors. I guess Chris Pratt would be the other would be another one that's, like, managed to stay successful because he's also got Jurassic Park like... and he's also got yeah, every... He knows something about someone in Hollywood because <laughs> he's Mario and Garfield, man. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I have to imagine part
1: of that is also James
0: Gunn kind of, like, peacing out for a few years. Mm-hmm. Is, is the other benefit that he's got where it's like... Yeah, it's, he's, in a, he's in a monstrously successful, like, side franchise that actually only has a couple of entries. Yeah, um, like, he, there hasn't been a new Guardians
1: movie now in five years' time, and they've only just, like, filming it right now for number yeah, three. fair enough. But it, it, it's just it's just is interesting looking at who the people are that kind of pop outside of it, and Scarlett Johansson feels like her career is very similar to Florence Pugh's, but I don't think Florence Pugh's going to make the decision to basically turn into the great Action star of the of the twenty twenties. I, do, I don't think that's no, going to in this prestige window, and so you can compare them as much as you want. But I get the feeling that Florence is going to be making better choices than Scarlett
0: Johansson did. Yeah, because like what? So I think Scar- she's. I think she's more. Well, I don't want to say Scarlett Johansson wasn't actor driven because she does sign up for some very like actor-ass project, but then she also does Lucy and, and you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but
1: she doesn't get her first Oscar nomination until 2020, and she gets her double nomination for Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's her first Oscar nomination. She's nominated the first time, the same awards that Florence Pugh has her first Academy Award nomination. And, yes. like, I think, I mean, we, we've discussed Scarlett Johansson in, in projects where, in, in both this podcast and in There Will Be Movies, and, like, she's great in Lost in Translation. Yeah, she is. But like, but like, it's just it's, it's interesting to look that it, she wasn't popping in kind of like the prestige stuff in the same way that Florence Pugh is at this point, mm. which probably makes. I mean, sense. she
0: was she was in that Woody Allen movie when she was quite young. I think it, was it Match Point or something yes. like that. Um, I can't. I don't know how old she was at that point. And that movie obviously isn't a banger, and also fuck Woody Allen, obviously. But it's still a thing that a lot of actors it's a bullet point on there like career accomplishments isn't it and
1: yeah, to to work with Woody Allen at some point like yeah. every every woman actress in hollywood probably has to do a woody allen at some point <laughs> to to be legitimized as as, sad as that is
0: let's let's make that somebody else now um <laughs> yeah but, but yeah
1: like so this ultimately feels like i don't know where scarlett johansson's career goes from here because obviously she's mm. now come into this like, she's in an awards body now. Like, she's great in Marriage Story. I think her performance in Jojo Rabbit is one of my favourite in that movie. Yeah, she's really good in Jojo Rabbit. She's she's doing a new Wes Anderson movie, but again, it's a Wes oh, Anderson movie. Oh, of course. She'll always be in an a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> but, like, you look at the cast for Asteroid City and you're like, oh, everyone's in that movie. So, like, wh- wh- how are you going to get to, like, stand out in terms of that? Yeah. So, I don't know where her career goes, but, like... That feels if... like a one-for-you, one-for-me kind of thing. Yeah, and but, like, she's fully at this point where, like, Black Widow is like, she's done. Yeah, like like they've killed her off. Like maybe she makes an appearance in Secret Invasion that we don't know about. I, I
0: think yeah, I think every every one of these like retired characters will make one more cameo at some point, whether it's a flashback, a hidden recording, a Skrull invasion, you know, some shit like that, like a dream sequence. They'll get them all back at least once. Yeah, like her her consistently available commercial vehicle has dropped her off on the side of the road and kept going without her, essentially. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But let's talk about the goddamn movie. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I do think there's just so much interesting stuff oh, around the yeah, interplay between these two actresses
1: that are the to this movie. And... Of course. One of she, them is the reason this movie works, and I feel like the other one is an actress who seemed bored and is done with this franchise.
0: I... wouldn't go quite that far, but I get what you're saying. I actually really liked this on my first watch and I think, you know, I time went by and I I cooled on it a bit and I probably dropped a star off it, I don't remember what happened, but I, you know, fresh off watching it, I was like, that's one of the best solo movies they've done in a long time. I calmed down. I watched it again. I still enjoy the first hour. It's kind of when they do the prison break onwards where things get a little bit choppier for me. But that first hour, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is cool. Not, you know, not 100% of it but as much of it as like you know I don't know A Winter Soldier or or any other of the the big solo movies I'm like yeah 80% of this is working for me quite a lot and then it just uh, you know forget bad third act I think Marvel in 2021 had a bad second half problem uh, because every one of these movies I like to love the first half and I find the second half just completely tanks it personally. But yeah.
1: yeah. I mean I mean my biggest issue with this movie is I think the moment that Harbor and Vice show up like mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not that I don't like either of them. I I love Rachel Vice. Mm-hmm. Like she is she is great. But both of them are doing the most kind of like moose Safe. and squirrel accent in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like kind of like you don't know whether or not they're heroes or villains. Like there's no development in
0: terms of like what this family dynamic is, why they're so attached to it. I think I think They're able to pull something out of it through what a success Yelena is as a concept in seeing how all four of them view the the family dynamic and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, the acting that is happening on the screen, (laughs) it's like, ah, not quite. You missed, you know, you cast some very likable people, some very good people, and you sat them down and said, do a generic Russian accent. And they have varying degrees of success at that. And I think I think it kneecaps all their performances apart from Florence's. I think Florence can do the accent is, is a huge difference between her and Elizabeth Olsen. Like, you know, right. like she was completely hampered by that accent. Or like you look at her performances in the MCU throughout, you know, starting with Ultron going forwards, she gets better when she drops the accent and then, you know. Maybe she will stay good with it going forward. I have my doubts, but Florence seamless. You know, it's it's not the best Russian accent in the whole world, but it's certainly better than the other people's in this movie.
1: It's stylized enough, and it's very obvious that she's doing it in such a way where it's like I am going to make this heightened, very obviously kind of like not real, but in such a way that she gets to still
0: do the dialogue with an actual flow. She sounds like a person, like she sounds like a chill, young, imagined Russian woman versus like here are some people doing Russian accents. And, like, it's interesting to me that ScarJo never does one. Like, she, mm. there are t- there are scenes she speaks Russian, and I have no way of knowing how good that is, is the problem. But whenever she's speaking English, it is in that American accent. Whereas Yelena, always Russian. I don't think she's done a single line where she's trying to do any other, you know, like, as a spy doing an accent kind of thing. Um, which, we're going to have to talk about the spy elements later, but, like... Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that it's, you it's have
1: Yelena. Yeah, because Yelena is the only one who I feel is nailing the comedy stuff in this. Like, all of the banter scenes between her and Scargo, you know, she is carrying those so heavily. Like, she is just effortlessly charismatic, and it feels like Harbour and Vice are both...
0: Well, Harbour is lumped with... They, they will never resist a fat joke. Yes. Um, you know, stuff like that. The fat phobia is omnipresent in, but, in like, yeah, Hollywood but and all... in Disney. All of his jokes, like, I don't think either of their, like, jokes
1: or their banter scenes kind of, like, land in any way that feels satisfactory. I don't know if it's, like, as you say, like, it's the awesome problem where they're distracted by having to do this accent, Mm. and it's just... I don't know. His dad pissed on his
0: hands. That's kind of funny. Like, Uh, both of them... Yeah, it's like, here's the washed-up guy who thinks he fought Captain America when the timeline suggests he definitely did not. Here's a lady who fucking makes pigs murder themselves and is like, oh, it's fine. And you have that dynamic where, like, you know, he's not into it, he's just, like, some washed out rock star. She's just very clinical and, like, oh, yes, it was a success as a programme and I've been doing all this shit. And uh, Natasha is in denial about it all because she has to be too cool for school because that's how she survived. And Yelena's little heart is just breaking throughout all of it. And that's where that scene salvages something. As they sit around and drink vodka with dinner, and I like, "Come on, guys!" Is I mean, she, I'm sure separate, there are people in Russia in that corner, have vodka like, with just dinner. Acting her like facial muscles off, yeah, to yeah. to
1: bring some bathos to the scene. And I mean, so many like there's just baffling decision after baffling decision in this movie. Yeah. So, like like they try their best to introduce the four of these characters as having like a familiar bond with the first kind of like proper Marvel cold open. That leads into, like, an original opening credit it's, sequence.
0: Yeah, it smells like Teen Spirit, baby. Yeah,
1: um, but, like, it, it feels so fully like they're riffing on The Americans, which is a okay. shame because The Americans is a good show. Okay. And I, I've got to
0: say, like, you know, it's not the, it's not the most well-done one of these in the world, but I feel every podcast we do we're cultivating a list of things Matt's a sucker for, but, like, I do dig the whole, like, they're making fake albums, they're making fake Christmas presents, and, you know, they have to go in the middle of the night and then suddenly David Harbour's got superhuman strength out of nowhere like that kind of thing is i i like that it it's all fun it's just
1: yeah. it's too short and it doesn't really yeah. give you a taste of them as a family because yeah. then the expectation of this movie is obviously an hour later you're to be like you have to buy this relationship between this family and want them to be
0: mm. together
1: as a as a group and i don't yeah. think there's enough time spent here to make you want that like the the thing that makes you want that is the interplay between Scarlett Johansson and and Florence Pugh in kind of like the half an hour before that point.
0: Yeah, those two have incredible chemistry, like they're they're, they're bickering. Yelena basically just acting as a sort of cynical audience surrogate at times and just being like, you look really silly when you do this superhero pose and you think everyone's looking at you. I, I think the funniest part
1: of that scene is that they're doing it in this, like, convenience store, and it's just, like, just the, the guy surely knows that that's the Black Widow, right? Like, the <laughs> yeah, Avengers are famous.
0: Yeah. And I love when she actually does one legitimately at the end, and then she, like, shudders her way out of it, like, oh, what did I just do? And her obsession with her vest, and just all of that stuff works really well. We, we cannot make this the Florence Pugh Power Hour. <laughs> We, like, we could, we could. I've got so many could. notes written next to Florence Pugh's name. No, she, she is
1: so good, but, like, yeah. but I'm just thinking in terms all of... Right, and, all and, right. it's, and it's a decision that that confuses me deeply, and it's kind of a, a two-pronged one in terms of sure. everyone is speaking with an American accent in this opening scene uh-huh. when they're speaking English.
0: yeah,
1: And then we go to every other scene in the movie when they're speaking English, they're all speaking it with a Russian accent. And it's like... Uh-huh. It's like, why wouldn't you just speak Russian? <laughs> why wouldn't you just speak Russian? Or why would you not speak English with an American accent because that's how you learn to speak English? It's like, mm-hmm. pick, pick a lane. Like, you've already let these actors do...
0: Yeah, because they're speaking an accent. American accent in private. It's not like it's oh hey, the neighbours are here, we're American, and then they all go inside and they're like, oh, these fucking Americans. Yeah, like, they're speaking american as American, and they're whispering to each other in american as American, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's... There, there is a definite... weird... There's like a pocket of the movie that feels empty and not fleshed out, which is so strange because they had so much time to edit it. Like, they could have basically redone the whole... They could have started the edits process from scratch, as soon as they knew they weren't gonna hit their window. And just being like, right, let's really come over this. Let's redo all the special effects. And like, for the final product to have these moments where like, the stuff with Rick Mason and, and like her living on the run and all of that, it just feels very strangely hollow. It feels like a COVID production. Even it though does. Like, <laughs> it even does. though it was shot beforehand. It's, it's utterly yeah.
1: bizarre. Yeah. And my other issue but, is, 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 is two-pronged with, you set this family, you expect us to care. But then, the, then late in the movie, you introduce another familial dynamic that we're supposed mm. to give a shit about, which is Taskmaster and Drakov. Oh, like, there's gonna be
0: some talk about them right? at the end.
1: But, uh, yes, but like, why? Why are we not? Why? Like, I know it would make it too complicated, but why is Red Guardian this movie? Why isn't Drakov like the dad, the, the dad and?
0: and this Why is the forgotten is third sister
1: or something yeah well, exactly <laughs> like like, and that's the whole thing is you then get to play off like instead of instead of like them all escaping they they left Taskmaster behind but Draco went back and found her and like raised her as mm-hmm. his like robot daughter whatever it is yeah. and immediately then you increase like the level of like emotional investment that both Florence yeah. and ScarJo have in terms of they're trying to rebuild their sisterly dynamic whilst also oh shit our other sister who we forgot about is gone and yeah. I mean, this is rewriting the movie into something else. It's just bizarre that you make a movie about family dynamics, yeah.
0: and then well, like you know, we always knew our dad was a monster. It's news to us that our mother was always a monster all along. You know that kind of stuff uh, would have worked. Let's take it. Let's take this way back to the beginning. So it's written by Eric Pearson, who is just like I was going to call him Captain Marvel, but you know he is thoroughly a product of the Marvel writing program. He wrote every one of those. I think all but all Hell, the King of those Marvel one shots. He is a writer on Agent Carter, he is a co-writer on Thor Ragnarok, he wrote Godzilla vs Kong, he has uncredited rewrites on Ant-Man, Homecoming, Infinity War, Endgame, Detective Pikachu. So like, you know, he's the guy they're shoving over to make it more Marvel-y, to keep their ongoing story in place, because uh, all of those movies kind of seed some stuff for later. There's also a story credit for Jack Schaefer of WandaVision, Ned Benson, directed by Kate Shortland, who has also not,
1: basically done nothing. Yeah,
0: a, a strange one uh, all around to assign.
1: I have to. Assume, to I think. I think Laura is the one that people said that she got this yeah, from. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel Angelina Jolie was in talks to maybe direct Captain Marvel, maybe direct this, and maybe direct Eternals. She may not have been in the running for this, but you know, on the one hand, you know, it's good they got a female director for this, you know, big female solo movie. But like, this is a Black Widow movie. Like, you should have got someone like real good. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I I do think there's a
1: level of fear in the MCU in terms of, or just in terms of hiring these directors. Where it's like when they have a sit down, because wasn't there someone interesting who had to sit down and basically pulled out at the last minute for like one of these movies, and I, I can't yeah. remember off the top of my head who it was. But it's like when you have these conversations with these like actually interesting female directors, and you come, here's my take, and then they go like, mm, no, that's not what we want, and you basically yeah. scare off anyone with what some level of artistic vision. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've been doing that since Thor 2. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> they've just gotten slightly better at damage control and nipping it in the bud early rather than people quitting halfway through production or anything like that. Yeah, so, like, you know, it's yeah, not the best creative just, team. It's yeah, not a superstar director. It's not a superstar writer. It's the guy that, like, you're not even giving credits to on all of these movies that are, you know, all those movies are good. But, you know, it's not like he's lead superstar writer um, and whatever he's contributing to ragnarok i mean i think we all know Taika watiti basically rewrites that movie and doesn't have any screenwriting credit but i think we all know that's what happened um, yeah it's it's so thoroughly of a piece with the rest of his filmography that it's
1: almost impossible to imagine that he didn't yeah. rewrite a large way of those. and now i'm looking at like the other directors who marvel had meetings with in production of this movie and it's like denise gamza uh chloe Zhao. Uh, Lynn Shelton, Lucretia Martel, and it's like, all of these, like, really
0: <laughs> prestige female In- directors. Interesting they had Zhao for this, and then they're like, mm, could you go do it with characters we don't give a shit about, please? <laughs> I, I cannot
1: imagine what this movie looks like if Zhao if does this. Like, mm. imagine this movie being shot outside. Oh, of, like, I would. I guarantee you that family dynamic works better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It, it's wild that they're meeting with all these, like, and I would say all of the women that I just listed there are auteurish. Mm-hmm. And they settle on Kate Shortland in terms of like, this I is just, a fair st- of hands, we can give her the, the pre-visualisation for the special effects and for the action sequences, which I think are the weakest part of the movie in, yep, in totality. Terrible.
0: Awful. Like, they, they, they hyped that prison break in the trailers, like the white suit dropping out of the air, all that shit, and it's fucking terrible. Also, why the fuck are they wearing stealthy snow suits when their approach is to hover directly over a prison in a helicopter and just directly attack? Like, what? why? What the fuck was the point in that other than marketing? Uh, I mean, so... <laughs> like, like, do we... What, so, uh,
1: We obviously did Secret Agent Men. We did. Like, in 2021. We watched basically the three big spy genre franchises yeah. of, of the current millennium. Overwhelmingly, all of those movies have one thing in common, which is basically, fuck CGI, we are making this. Like, yeah, they
0: go practical. They they yep. do wild shit. Some of them more so than others. Tom Cruise jumping out of planes 50 times in a <laughs> row. But, but even then, even the bad born movies are doing their own stunts, like.
1: And um, you compare it to this, which feels like this should be the perfect opportunity for Marvel 2.
0: Yep. Do a proper spy movie. Why isn't this Killing Eve? Why isn't this Atomic Blonde? Why isn't this Gunpowder Milkshake? Why isn't this Kate? I know not all of those are fantastic, but you know, they have they are of a vibe. Why isn't this even Birds of Prey? Like in terms of the action, at and, least. But I think it is just the hobbling that Marvel have, which is, like, we need to have a giant
1: Act 3 set piece. You simply and,
0: do not, my friend.
1: It, it's it's the same thing that kind of buckles Winter Soldier, which is, yeah. like, what's the final act of this movie? Oh, we need to fly between three
0: different helicarriers plugging in USB at, sticks. At least Winter Soldier, up to that point, Isn't is mostly fight? good. I mean, the fucking jet and the motorcycle is a bad moment. But up until... They're like, right, engage third act mode. It's mostly good action. This is... There are a couple of moments of cute choreography. They always do cute Black Widow choreography with, like, the head scissor takedowns and the the wacky sort of fighting style that she has. It's crowd-pleasing, it's cool. But, like, the actual deployment of, like, here's this prison break-in and, you know, all that shit, it's just blah. And, like, you know, they... Natasha and Yelena have a decent little fight in the apartment where like probably I'm sorry one, but probably the best one in the movie. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty. Uh, although like Yelena slams Natasha's face into a door frame, she would be gushing with blood. She'd be on the floor. Not a drop on either one of them. They absolutely fuck each other up. And then she takes this ridiculous fall where she like slams into metal on the way down, and then she's just fine. Um and there is this implication potentially in the movie that like Something they do to the Black Widows makes them some degree of super... You know, it's not super soldier serum, but perhaps something enhanced, which they have never once played on in the movies. I think it is true in the comics that she is ever so slightly enhanced, like a little yeah, I mean, bit that, stronger, the a little bit faster, a little bit more durable. Yeah,
1: it's the reason she hangs up Winter Soldier is like, they're both elements of like, here is Russia trying to recreate
0: yeah. the super soldier serum. Yeah, like, you know, she, she is not Captain America levels... She's not Red Guardian levels like that dude fucking throws a giant ass like, truck in the air. But there is some implication here that they are doing something with Black Widows, and they've never ever touched on that. But hey ho,
1: parts of this movie make it incredibly obvious that they're making these movies in like complete silodom Yeah. In terms, of, like like the big one coming out of this is the fact that the the Hawkeye writers didn't know what the end of this movie was. Yeah, yeah, like oh, and it doesn't make sense. We'll talk about it when we get yeah, to we will talk about it. But it doesn't up. make sense. But the fact that like they're like, ooh, wouldn't it be really cool if we managed to get Yelena and then Kevin Foggy's like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that like that actually ties perfectly into, into what we did <laughs> with Black Widow. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, course, you know, like uh, or yeah. even or even the fact that like Red Guardian is very clearly a super soldier, or super soldier adjacent Yeah, he's, he's Russia's attempt at Captain America. Yeah. Why on earth? Is he not brought up in Falcon: The Winter Soldier? Like, why? Why is he not on the hit list? Because he's not Super American,
0: League? I guess. No, because they go after like all of the Super soldiers, but then. But they're all American. Yeah, oh, guess... except for the Flag Smashers, I suppose. He doesn't um, like Super Soldiers. I he... guess Red Guardian's been sitting in a prison for. I, don't
1: I guess, know and I, I guess it's the same reason why he doesn't go after Isaiah is like functionally retired. Doesn't know about him?
0: Yeah. I think there's another. Thing. <laughs> But yeah, and, and another part, I mean, this is true of all of Marvel, and I'm almost in two minds about this because in, I don't want to dilute away from what they're attempting with a, with making it about family rather than end-of-the-world-y type stuff, although there is some of that. And I don't want female characters to have to be defined by relationships, but, like, this is so sexless. and And Natasha has been... She flirts in all these movies. She has never once had, like, any sort of she's never once had used her sexuality on a mission. The closest is that when she's captured at the beginning of the Avengers and she's like sort of flirting around they've already got her though. So we don't know what happens, but like in this movie you have Rick Mason who openly wants to bang her. She throws him a token flirt back. No interest. She had the unspoken romance with Banner that had origins off screen Fizzles out, is very problematic, he literally leaves the planet to take care of that one. When he comes back, they barely fucking acknowledge each other. You know, she flirts with Cap in all the movies, but she does it kind of just to push his buttons because he's such a socially awkward person, because he's so of another era. I'm not saying I want to see Black Widow, like, banging her way around the world like James Bond, but, like, she's meant to be like a little, like, sultry spy who's, like, using her feminine wiles and her, like, actual ability and everything. And there's never any of that. There's never it, once been a scene where she's like honey trapping anyone or anything it's, like it's that. It's just
1: it's wild that they take nothing from Bond, functionally. Yeah, exactly. Like and I think it it is what kneecaps is. And again, it is the lack of the sexualness. I mean, I feel like there has been a a rewriting of Joss Whedon's black widow uh, to to a point where people are now like joss whedon wrote the worst black widow in no, combination yeah, yeah, yeah. between like how much of an awful person joss whedon is and also the the scene in age of ultron that kind of like it gets everyone's wrangles up sure. i found the scene in this movie of florence Pugh very flippantly describing like what the the thing was a little bit more kind of like gross and kind of like flippant in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah, like yeah. what it means like i understand why they're doing it but that feels like classic marvel we need to Undercut this with these beings
0: are incapable of being sexual, (laughs) they don't even have reproductive organs. Yeah, they are effortlessly so beautiful and like up to the eyeballs in estrogen, but don't worry about it, it's fucked. And like, yeah, and she's never like slipped into a like a false identity, really. Um, she's never done spy shit, like, she's she's a superhero, she's not a spy. But
1: you get to this spy movie and what do they do like i'm just going i'm just going to like very briefly describe the plot like beat by beat she basically it, it starts after civil war yeah she is yeah, like maybe. in hi- she isn't hiding for a hot minute but apparently this entire scene takes place in between the the final scene of civil war and the post credit scene of civil war
0: mm-hmm. this movie takes place in yep because like, she goes to break them all out of the raft at the end um even though she doesn't do that no <laughs> Yelena sends her a package that allows
1: them to de brainwash Black Widows, and then it basically becomes a giant fetch quest where they go, like, well, we need to go meet dad, we
0: need to go meet mum. We need to find the red room, we have to shut down the red room. I thought I destroyed the red room, I thought I'd killed Dracov. You know, credit to them, they are picking up a throwaway line from 15 years earlier in the Avengers, or 10 years earlier, where Loki says, you know, he's talking about the worst thing she's ever done. Can you ever make up for Dracov's daughter? They surely had no intention. that ever being anything and someone went back and watched every Black Widow scene probably Eric Pearson (laughs) who probably his job is to sit and just watch every one of these movies and put in all the references and we're like oh yeah we'll do something with that and you know they're they're paying that off and like the vest technically debuts I guess in (laughs) Infinity War uh, and stuff like that you know they're picking up these little cutesy touches but uh, and you know we get the Budapest story, and it's nowhere near as exciting as you, as everyone imagined it to be on Tumblr ten years ago. They just hid an event for three days playing Noughts and Crosses. But yeah,
1: it, it's just it's just that weirdness of like you're making this spy movie, and your big spy locations are nondescript roads, uh-huh. a prison breakout, and yeah. then a hill in Russia. Before oh, you uh, then go to like. Yeah
0: you're floating. flying fucking and they have to fucking put the subtitle the red room it's like yeah i fucking gathered that from context close guys. <laughs> it's like,
1: but it's just like this this should be a proper like international yeah. like spy movie like running yeah. around tracking down these kind of things let's go like, to an embassy
0: let's go to a you know let, let's go to some places let's let's like, if let's, you... let's Lay out an elaborate plan to like steal a key card from someone, like yeah. the prison break scene. Show me uh, like them breaking in while he's breaking out in a sort of like raid style. Like, this or is the layout just, of the building,
1: even just the opening scene of Ghost Protocol.
0: Yeah, just go and do some Mission Impossible for a bit. Like, this is what I'm saying. Go hire somebody who made a Mission Impossible, anatomically, you know, something like this. Someone who's ever made anything like this before. You didn't do that. Like, you just think hired gets, some it lady. Gets,
1: it gets hamstrung by having to be a Marvel movie. I think is the issue,
0: and is that's, that like... that that is that is going to be the pervasive theme of of our 2021 look back. We hit the end of Endgame. We've seen the formula. It's a very successful formula. I understand why you do it. Let's change it. Let's make different types of movies. Let's make genre movies. And they are still not doing it. They are still just making Marvel movies. Like, but I think the issue is is that
1: I don't know if it's a level of fear or if it's a level of, like, if we don't do this, do we break our contract with viewers in terms of what a Marvel movie is in
0: a cinema? But you can still do all of the stuff. The- people <laughs> are not like, oh, shit, I'm really hoping to see Atlanta green screens. I'm really hoping to see a really badly done second unit CGI falling through the sky scene. I'm really ho- no, they want to see the cutesy little references to old movies. You can do that shit in an actual spy man I think I'm just I'm just worried
1: that there is a level of thought which is like Marvel movies are the only movies that consistently make money anymore. And the reason they consistently make money is because they're big blockbuster yeah. spectacles. I and get it. Like, if, you, know. if you end both Black Widow and Shang-Chi with hand-to-hand combat in like an emotionally resonant and satisfying yeah. resolution to the plot of it, people yeah. kind of go like, there wasn't enough explosions I don't, I, I paid, I don't think I that's true I to, think that's a movie cynical
0: movie. view that doesn't exist and I dare them to try it Like I, I, I think if you, if you put the time in and actually do a dope-ass fucking fight scene People will care. Civil War doesn't have one of those. Civil War ends in, a, in, a, in an ugly little fight. No,
1: but I think that people come away from Civil War and what they're
0: talking about. They're the talking, airport, about the airport, sure. the
1: talking about the airport scene. Um, I mean, I think Winter Soldier, the stuff that everyone loves is that opening to two acts of the, like, we're doing a 1970s conspiracy thriller mm. and everyone kind of, like, has to hand wave how that movie ends. Yeah. But that's the last time it felt that like they came close to yeah. actually fully embracing the genre conventions. But like of- you know
0: we're, we're talking about like Mission Impossible and Born and Bond and all that and those hang the hat on these, these big fucking ridiculous scenes but they also find some time for some quieter stuff and like you can do like just refine your prison break scene make that your like pompous over the top ridiculous action scene. Do a fucking daredevil like 20 minute sustained like incredibly elaborate break in breakout thing where they barely get away with it. I think you don't have movie, to make it the third act. <laughs> this movie is made more embarrassing
1: by the fact that both, and I know one of these franchises is not in any way similar to to Black Widow, but the fact that No Time to Die and F9 both came out in the same year. Mm. Like, and F9 has slowly become more and more special effects driven, but it is also still based around spectacle and at some point there will be like some cool practical special effects. And, and this movie, like the biggest spectacle kind of like hand to hand fight scene is Taskmaster versus Black Widow yeah. or or Natasha on that bridge. And it's like Oh bad. I un- I understand <laughs> what the deal is with Taskmaster. That yeah. you're basically saying like she has the fighting style of all of the MCU heroes. Yeah, and it's it's like,
0: a it's a long running character. He's he's normally a dude. I think he's a former Shield agent. You know, the gender bend him. That's fine. Whatever. There was speculation early because, you know, entirely in a costume, so that makes people think Mm, this is somebody, is it, is it Rakov Like, Is she betraying them? Is she the Taskmaster? And they go, oh no, it's Rakov's daughter, she's still alive. Can I just say, I think that's the most cowardly thing they've ever done. They 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 lay out this thing, the worst thing Natasha ever did, the thing that basically colours her view of herself, where she's like, I mean, I know she also is, Per Whedon is pulling from her infertility as I'm a monster, but you know, she has this kind of defensive glib, I'm a bad person sort of like melancholic humour a degree of self-hatred <laughs> and it's like clearly driven by this like her entire redemptive arc is this is the worst thing i ever done I killed a child like to, to achieve my mission Loki's entire big scene with her and the, the dripping red ledger and all of that and it, I do like the line where David Harbour is like you've killed so many people your ledgers must be gut." you know they're using the exact same lines but like he's trying to make it positive but you know they're they're taking this and they're like really spelling it out, and they're daring to go there, and they're like, ah, nah, it didn't happen. And it's like, no, fuck it, like, yeah, like it, you it fucking coward. It, it matters more
1: if Dracov's daughter dies, but Dracov didn't die. Like, ultimately, it was pointless. That is far more of a, like, needle point, like, thing to do, and instead, it's like, well, no, we've we've cowered out of it, like, we, we, Taskmaster is still alive by the end of this movie, and has now been de-brainwashed, so yeah. she can be a hero elsewhere, and, like, Olga or, or Koryanko, who has, like, two fucking unmasked scenes in this movie can continue to be a star in these movies if we want to bring her back. And,
0: And like, yeah, there is this, like... Some people are like, oh, yeah, Taskmaster can come back. I'm like, why? Who gives a shit?
1: But, like... Like, like, yeah, like, you you made this character, and it's like she fights, like, all these other heroes. And all it is is kind of, like, she throws a shield, she has the black panther claws, like, she shoots some arrows. It's like... I don't know if it's a problem with, like, you haven't satisfactorily actually given these heroes different fighting styles. Or Mm -hmm. it's just you're not actually doing what you say
0: you're doing. Also, Natasha basically kicks her ass, like, yes. <laughs> despite that. Like, I know that their first encounter, she basically loses, like, she kicks the ass of Red Guardian and has to get locked in a in a box, and then Natasha just, like, disarms her suit or whatever. But, like, she there's not this, like, pronounced, like, oh, I remember that move that Captain America did that time. Like, you know, she does the, the SHIELD flip that was famous, and she's doing little things, and we see her studying what is ostensibly training footage between Hawkeye and maybe it's Natasha, maybe it's a random SHIELD agent, I don't know, but, you know, she's studying that, but, like, it doesn't matter. And, like, just just to go back, just again, just ever so slightly, like, I understand being squeamish about, like, heroes don't kill children, but it is, a st- it is written into her character. She is a reformed Russian assassin. Like, of course she killed people. Like, like to take that away from her and be like, "Oh, she was basically a hero all along." It's so fucking cowardly. Yeah,
1: I think this movie is. I mean, I. I'm I allude, getting I... pissed
0: off talking about it when I'm saying I like the first hour, but.
1: But I alluded to earlier, and I think. There's a level of, like, I don't... okay Maybe I'm being too harsh when I say that. I think Scarlett Johansson is a little bit checked out of this movie.
0: Yeah, there are moments for her in that first hour especially that I really like for her. Like, where is this little weirdo quoting Bond out loud while she watches it? Where has this character been for ten years? Mm. Like, she's never been weird. And I like her being weird. But
1: I do think there is an issue, and I think it's a classic prequel issue, where they are trying to staple an arc to this character Mm. who... The arc made sense without this movie, and so what they're doing is they're having to add all this like emotional development to her character,
0: and none of it can mean anything. They, yeah, can't, exactly. they can't do anything here that changes the status quo. We know her fate is to die. We know her fate is to you know be in Cap's little secret Avenger team off screen for two years, or five years. You have all this stuff where like she makes the choice in Civil War to team up with Cap,
1: mm-hmm. like like she betrays Tony. Teams yep. up with Cap to to help, like Cap save Bucky and all the rest of it. Yeah, and she yeah, makes yeah. a choice for like this found family, to, and yeah. she's like,
0: "You know what? The ones who I'm with are, are Cap." Yeah, I, I have yeah. Sam. And she has that line at the end. Oh, it turns out I have two families. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. yeah get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and they're
1: trying to do that and to to bring some level of like the ones who I care about are Cap. And, and Hawkeye, and like, all, all these guys, like, they are my family, or whatever it is, and, like, that's why she sacrifices herself. Why does none of this come up? It just, it just depowers everything. It
0: feels like it's not even in, in... Like, it's off to the side. Like, it's almost in a different world, and that's like, weird.
1: It makes more sense for this movie to be set way earlier, like,
0: in between Avengers and Age of Ultron. I was kind of hoping, well, yeah, like, you know, what what happened in those five years? Like, what does it look like with Natasha trying to run things? I almost was like, show me, like, a fucking a Black Widow mission or something, or show me, like, how she earned Nick Fury's trust and shield as a young agent or some, you know, completely why, why detach me the from like, Why yeah, isn't yeah, it a Budapest mission? Like, why isn't it a Hawkeye and. Black it, like you can even do it as
1: like a, a half and a half, like it's t- fully told in flashbacks. It feels like a spy yeah. movie if you do it that way, yep. where you have the actual Budapest mission playing out and you have it be and the let's revelation. get Philip
0: Seymour Hoffman in there and let's, let's, you know, let's make it look like she dies in the opening credits. Yeah, it's it's not good stuff. Oh, yeah, I am kind of pissed off. And like, you know, like, yeah, to like literally replicate. Winter Soldier, and like now we end it on a big sky base, and and like some poor group of minimum wage VFX artists are working tirelessly on this scene of them tumbling through the sky and barely missing, all these explosions, and it just it's devoid of stakes, there's no emotion, despite yeah, like, the we, fact that they're literally falling out of the sky. We
1: know that Scarlett Johansson
0: can't die, because she's got another two movies to come, yeah. and also
1: you've just hired all these new actors and actresses for this movie, <laughs> like, I wish this movie had the balls to kill off at least one of them, yeah. but the fact that this ends, and like all of them are alive and all of them are in play, and all yeah. the press is like, we can't wait to bring them back, and I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why yeah, is there you've got, really you've got
0: fucking of Ice being like oh I'd love to play the character again and Kate Shortland being like oh uh, you know we could do a sequel but it would obviously have to be about a different widow and I'm like what are you fucking talking about <laughs> there's nothing here to do anything with. Like, the only thing to do with is Florence Pugh who yeah, is just I, like you got her in and everyone will be like oh she's so good in Black Widow but then she did good movies so <laughs> is is hopefully the the thing, and, like, oh, God. And, like, you know, we, we've seen there was a Black Widow in shang We see more Widows in Hawkeye, all of that stuff. But really, none of this means anything. Yeah, and the, like, most, <laughs> the most
1: interesting thing this does, sets up the post-snap status quo for the Black Widows, which is basically <laughs> Yelena trying to, like, unbrainwash them all. Which yeah, is at she, least Natasha got
0: her the list, and she's she's on a personal mission to find them all, wake them all up. Do the um, thing that Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow should have done all along. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I, to to dwell on this, like the, the magic gas that instantly dissolves their brainwashing. I'm not saying it's not something Bond would do, but it's a very specific era of Bond would have done something like this. And I just it, 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 it's a, it's a hint it's... too sci-fi for me in a movie that should just be like all fucking like. Fists and elbows and headbutts, you know. I think that's the thing is because obviously the,
1: she is what is from Moonraker, isn't it? She's watching a scene from Moonraker. She's watching Moonraker, yeah. Um, and like it's like it feels like this is a playful wink. This is the kind of movie that we want to make. Like, yeah. Look, we've, if we've you're going
0: to not- do that, go all the way the other way. Do like really goofy sci-fi yeah, like, shit. Don't yeah. do generic superhero sci-fi nonsense. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, this
1: is going to be my segue into into one of our like final final pieces is. You have a super secret villain base. That's a fucking flying fortress.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's the most boring ass generic thing in the world. Like, mm. why is the villain not like monologuing in front of a moat with like Black Widow spiders or something like crawling around inside it? What, like, go fucking like full Goofy on it. Like,
0: yeah, like why Black Widows? Oh, I love spiders. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, like, and the issue is Ray Winston as Draykov is probably the most catastrophic performance in the uh, MCU, ever. Um, I do
0: I think like is... an aspect of what he's doing. I like that he's a vile man. You know, like, he okay. is right up... No, I've, I've, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, like, he is, like, right up in her personal space. He is, like, basically spitting on her as he's talking right next to her face. Like, it feels a very true-to-life, like, sleazy, powerful man and how he would treat a woman. I I kind of like what he's going for there. His accent is atrocious. He is exactly like, let's talk villain watch. Like This is the exact definition of the LOL LMAO category in that he is not a character in this movie. He has a cameo in the beginning, and then he is waiting for them at the finish line. He, We know nothing about... You know, he he monologues, obviously, but, like, it's bad. And, like, he has no independent presence. He's someone they talk about. He, there is nothing to him other than, like, you know, I do like that sort of, like, repugnant stuff. You know, they, they throw in the, Oh, he killed your mum, by the way, just to, like, tack on the, like... Completely done like this. It's, it's, it's extra... all telling us. Everything is telling yeah. us. Or tell like, no show. He's like, not there in is, the
1: movie. There's no flashbacks to like Natasha in the red room. Like you haven't got mm-hmm. Julie Delpy back to have some like red room flashbacks or whatever it is. Like, nope. Nope. What, why are we? Why are we just completely like curtailing this? Everything is being told to us. There's no emotional connection between any of these characters, yep. and the only reason any of it plays is because again there's chemistry between the two lead actresses. Like, that is mm. the only reason this movie has any sense of, like, emotional connectivity, and there are just some easy, simple fixes that you can make to make this like matter. Like, mm. actually having Natasha and Drakov have a past, actually having Antonia and Natasha having a past, like, it's yeah. way more interesting if, like, Dracov is, like, checked out and, like, doesn't pay attention and his wife has hired a nanny who is actually Natasha. Or, like, just, just <laughs> something. Yeah. Something yeah. to put these characters in the same physical place to have them have an emotional connection before we yeah. get to the final scene where ultimately it's just a guy... And again, like, the movie is too cowardly to have sexual appeal and so you cannot play on, like, Ray Winston maybe being like a complete sleazeball to these black widows and like ogling mm-hmm. them sexually and stuff like that like you just yeah. completely undercut like what could be good thematic metaphors on in this yeah. movie in exchange for he's a moustache twirling villain who yeah. like just wants to do essentially what the end game of Wind to Soldier is which is basically like take out the people who I don't
0: agree with yeah well, and like I, you know you... And with him comes the, you know, the classic, it's the hero but bad thing, hero, just 20 widows for her to fight kind of thing. And even Taskmaster, who gets the special costume, is essentially just a slightly fancier Black Widow. And and it you know we talked about it like all they can think of for a lot of these villains is just mirror image and it's like it's the laziest shorthand. It, I mean, I, that's why they're doing it. It means they don't have to put any actual character development in because you I mean, already understand what they're the facing. Is, like for for a very
1: truncated comic corner because obviously there's not really much to say about this. Movie. Well, that's kind of like,
0: why I left it out. Like, I don't think this is pulling on a specific. The closest it's pulling is the Mark Wade Chris Somney
1: Black Widow run, which mm-hmm. ends with black widow like taking out individual like young black widows Mm -hmm. as she's like running through an agency and it's like that would have been fun like why like why Mm -hmm. not have it be one versus a million black widows like again it's it's so many interesting ideas that just don't coalesce into
0: anything and like you know you, you have that very pretty little moment where you know the choreography like they've hired dancers and actors and stuff to do the you know, they're practicing all together, and it's like, yeah, that's a cool image, but, yeah, it's just... It's just nothing, and, like... like You know, we've kind of already glossed over it, but, like, um, they even try to do some Mission Impossible stuff with... They bring back these masks that, you know, they debuted in Winter Soldier, which, you know, you can look like anyone. They do this fake-out where Natasha and, and Melina have swapped, and... The but they drop they it do, immediately! The, yeah, the closest <laughs> they get to doing
1: actual spy stuff is just, like, but we already know... That they're probably not in the same place. Just it, it's it's weird and and like underbaked well, just to, and, and just to
0: drop it immediately as well, that he immediately sees through it, and it basically gained them nothing other than I suppose they have a communicator, and they've slipped Elena a blade. It's like oh, cool. Like, <laughs> that thing is like, what do Melina and Alexei accomplish? At the yeah, because she tries to shut the thing down and then fails. And Alexi loses in his fight against Taskmaster. So it's like what? Well, I guess he keeps is... her busy because he can take a punch. But
1: like, sure, but like what is the <laughs> point of these two characters if they don't do anything?
0: Again, like, I mean, just to slightly try and redeem something. I, you know, Yelena as the baby of the group, the one that never got to have her own life. This is like that Ohio time, is literally all she's been clinging to and it didn't mean the same to any of them as it did to her and like they all got to have a life afterwards so it's like this was just a thing that happened to me this wasn't my whole life that was her whole life other than being a black widow and for like Natasha to like you know be in denial Alexei to like openly be like oh god I was so bored in Ohio and Melina like basically looking like she's secretly evil and like she even calls the red room and everything (laughs) you know I think I think that almost works. And, like, you know, I think this is a Yelena movie, basically. Yeah, but like, you know, like if, if this movie is just Natasha and Yelena, I think yeah. it's
1: immediately so much more appetizing uh, and, and, yeah. and good, and, and you on, stripped it back, and you can make that it... On that point, in...
0: yeah, on that point, and, like, sort of the truncated comic corner, I know Yelena is, like, another widow, but they've never, like, done this, like, they sort of quasi-sisters before, have they? Like, no, I mean, I not really or not that I've read from experience like
1: again they're, they're, we seem like we're fully at a point now in terms of comic books where they're like we are pulling names we mm-hmm. are pulling nothing else and like we will pull yeah. a set piece from the comics that like people like like I mean I mean, what we're watching Moon Knight at the moment and the Moon Knight <laughs> TV show is pulling from every corner of the Moon Knight like comics, but it's not pulling like sequences, it's pulling yeah. iconography and ideas
0: functionally, mm, isn't it? I have some thoughts on that, that you can read on Marvel <laughs> Mondays, you already may have by the time this comes out. But yeah, like <laughs> it's bad. I like Taskmaster, yeah, like you know, yeah, you got a cool costume, but You it's... don't commit to the
1: idea. Like why
0: why are we not Seeing actual recreations of like fights
1: from other movies that are like iconic fights, like where yeah. where is the where's the juice to this? Like you've got and,
0: a cool idea and you've done not much with it. Yeah, and like, she's, like, and she's like... mute, which is never going to help. Like you, you kind of have to talk to 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 be an impactful character. If you have a stronger main villain and she's just the henchman, she's the Jaws, she's the odd job of just this silent fucking badass fighter who doesn't talk. It's fine, that works, but you don't have that, so. And she's the one they put all the marketing around in terms of like the villain. I think she's on the poster, she was in the trailers, all of that. Yeah, but it's, um, it's just, and she's a big flop. And like it's just weird, like why are we not recreating like the highway chase from like mm.
1: Winter Soldier? Like why is yeah, yeah. why is she not it's, shooting in the same way that people were shooting against Nick Fury? Why is she not doing the Winter Soldier like drop down
0: Yeah it, Is Olga Kurilanko tall or have they got a male suit performer other than the times where she's unmasked? Because She does have very male mannerisms in a lot of... Like, even something as simple as, like, when she's locked in the cell and Natasha's gonna let her out and, like, she's, like, cocking her head and looking down on her. It's very male body language, and I wonder, Uh, like... IMDB says that she's five foot nine and a quarter. I guess sort of tall for a woman, especially in Hollywood. You know, not Debicki levels, but but also, like, when you're standing her up against, like, Ray Winston, like... Who, I just, are, you know, like, obviously. I don't know, not very tall. But, um, you know, obviously the suit is padded to make her look more muscular and all of that. But, like, in terms of the height and the body language, I was like, is this is this a man in the suit? Probably. It is funny reasons,
1: that they were but... keeping her secret from this movie. And it's like, has she done anything that people care about since? No. Quantum of Solace? <laughs> no.
0: No, not at all. Um, um, so, you know, double lol LMAOs for both of them. Like, pretty near the bottom of the entire pack I would say for both of them <laughs> yeah, just, just real real bad uh, and then, well, I mean this one should be fucking obvious, the All Marvel goes to Florence Pugh with a bullet so. yeah, no
1: question, like, it, it, the easiest decision that we've ever had to make in this there is no one in yeah. contention for this other than her but she immediately is like, if we were to actually, like, rank the performances, yeah. I think like, her, this and her like, couple of scenes in Hawkeye are like, oh, you are like probably
0: in the top five. Yeah, like, I'm I'm not saying this is the absolute best Marvel performance ever, but it's the easiest pick. I mean, I guess RDJ in in Iron Man 1, just purely by the nature of he's, like, basically the only person in the movie. (laughs) But, like, you know, this is so easy. Like, she was all of the hype coming out of it. Everyone was obsessed with Florence Pugh. Everyone has a crush on Florence Pugh. Everyone seeks out Florence Pugh's other movies. Everyone's excited for her to come back. Yeah, she is... it yeah. feels like like this
1: is the minting moment for her, where like it like she goes from being that cool film Twitter person to being yeah. like no everyone fucking loves. You've her. done your
0: fancy stuff. You've now had a big hit. Well, Because <laughs> I mean I didn't mention this either, but like obviously it, it releases in theaters. But also no, it doesn't. doesn't no, it? no, it does. It releases in theaters not on Disney
1: Plus, but it's a it's a Disney Plus premiere access. You so pay you're
0: paid thirty dollars, twenty pounds to watch it. On Disney Plus, Scarjo gets none of that money. Sues them. Gets some of that money, I think, because it yeah, makes I mean, three hundred
1: But it's just it's all part of like the whole. I mean, yeah. we, we very rarely touch on like the Disney politics of it all, but obviously in between Endgame and now, there's a new person in charge of Disney who's Bob Chapek, who came from the came from the parks, and basically all the scuttle is like he has no any
0: idea how to deal with movie stars. Yeah, and he's not list. trying to look out for actors, and he's not trying to like he doesn't, he's not wary of their clout or anything like that. Exactly.
1: And that's, that's the key key difference now is that like for the last 10 years, I feel like Disney has been very, very well cultivating its relationships with its actors and it's, and it's creative teams.
0: And you get this, you know, Feige seems like, you know, personally disappointed like i think these people are genuinely his friends on top of being his employees well, I mean, th- th- um, there's a fact
1: that like there's the rumbling in the background that like the mcu is the reason why they get all these people is because everyone in hollywood says like it's just a nice set like it's a nice safe set there's no issues that go around and stuff like that and it's it what makes it interesting when you compare like joss Whedon's activity on avengers and his activity on justice league where it's like yeah. It's not like we've had all the Avengers cast come out and like paint him with a black bad brush. I don't know if no. that's the Disney PR machine, like Maybe. basically going like toe the company line. We're not going to badmouth the behind the scenes on this movie, but it is mm-hmm. interesting that it feels like they basically it it comes down into a very milk toast, base level quality kind of thing. But it feels like it's just something the actors you, don't. Mind you just very. wonder
0: if Feige is is there to like police the culture and like make sure everything is. At least the actors are having a nice time, even if the production isn't going smoothly. And, but yeah, you know, it, it costs two hundred million dollars. It makes just shy of three hundred and eighty. It's good, one good of for the, the lowest. It's good for the pandemic. Good it for the pandemic. One of the, lowest, one of the lowest grossing movies. Yeah. And then, um, you know, like, I get what ScarJo's saying, like, you know, you've robbed her of what might have been a billion dollar movie, you know, she sees them, but speaking of ScarJo, like, she's on our list already for the Avengers, she's definitely not better in this than she is in the Avengers. No, not at all. Um, we can rule out, definitely, David Harbour, Raquel and Ray Winston, yeah, so we have one spare pick still, um, you know, we are eyeing Elizabeth Olsen, we are eyeing Sofia Di Martino. We'll keep buying them for now and see how things shake out. But yeah, Florence Pugh with a bullet on the All Marvel list could go down as one of the best characters they've got. And like in terms of the future, like you know, it is entirely her. Like it's it's wild that they haven't pinned a project
1: to her because what? How many? How many Hawkeye. weeks after *WandaVision* uh, uh, have they announced the *Agatha Harkness* TV
0: show? Like, uh, how many weeks before *Hawkeye* have they announced they're doing an *Echo* TV show? And yeah, we're that was cocky like... by them. Though, to be fair, like always, so short. I mean, I guess, I guess the secret source there is *Echo* is a stealth Daredevil season four, and that's why they're so confident it will be a hit. But yeah. To announce that before, I, 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 I
1: sent you the the picture of like the co- the costume designer who's like literally posted that she's designed costumes for. Matt Murdock and Kingpin (laughs) for for the the Echo TV show.
0: Yeah, I mean, there has to be a Black Widow and Hawkeye movie. Or Hawkeye and Black Widow, whichever way you want to put it. And it has to be a two-hander between Florence Pugh and Hayley Steinfeld. That has to be a movie that Yeah, like, if that
1: isn't on your your slate now, like, wild to think that you're not committing to this, especially after just how positive... Like, I feel like even us, who I think are higher on Hawkeye than a lot of other people, but, like, everyone loved the scene of them just eating pasta together
0: yeah or like you know fighting and and complimenting each other and and stuff like that and you know it's characterization that carries over from this movie where she's like I knew you would like my vest it's so cool right like she's kind of a, a goofball but in a way where she's also like perfect everything she does is like right on and And again
1: if you make that movie you can do it be like a two-handed like one of the past one of the present storyline and have johansson and Renner back doing like an in the past story absolutely want to and have it be an actual black widow and hawkeye movie yeah
0: like why not like yeah i'm i'm saying let's give let's give scott johansson her billion dollar movie well it probably won't make that much because uh two women led movie is unfortunately gonna get some right wing hate, but the, the boycott Disney thing that's come about in the last 24
1: hours yes. included someone making the claim that fifty percent of all Disney characters are gonna be gay from now
0: on. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have barely had straight people kiss in their fucking <laughs> movie. <laughs> it's like, um yeah and like you know obviously something we've been keeping an eye on in this 2021 Uh, look back, they are slowly building a young Avengers team. I have been staunch in my belief from day one, especially Yelena, but I also think, Kate. they need to graduate straight to a main Avengers team, or Hawkeye needs to be running a secret Avengers, so it's like you're halfway between the Young Avengers and the Full Avengers or something like that. And just, yeah, I mean... The next generation aspect of the Avengers, like, there is going to be a new Black Panther. Sam is the new Captain America. We have new characters that are ostensibly going to be able to use the Black Widow and Hawkeye names. You can keep, you know, we could have She-Hulk on the main team. Thor will be a constant and be like, hmm, what's happened here then? <laughs> You've all got the same names, but you're all different. I just think that is something that has to happen, personally. I think they are too... Florence, especially, is too good to be sharing scenes with, like, bad child actors and, and the no-names that they've cast the benefit, so far. The
1: benefit she has, even though, obviously, her best... I think her best and most charismatic scenes are her with with Steinfeld. And Steinfeld is obviously playing a Young Avenger. Eulena sure. is not that. Yelena no. has never been on the Young Avengers yeah and i just
0: think you know look if kate has to be the young one on the avengers team that seems like she shouldn't be there like fucking lean into that like hawkeye they always made the jokes like you know what are you doing here lean all the way into it and have her like overcome that stigma rather than the, they make the jokes about hawkeye and then it, he never actually really <laughs> it like, does anything to justify why he's on the avengers other than give a pep talk to scarlet witch but yeah, you know, she's here to stay. They have this really weird scene at the end where... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of recruiting people for
1: teams that may or may not exist nebulously in, in the future, we have what... So it's the, this was supposed to be the debut of Julie Louis-Dreyfus, but yes. because of COVID, Falcon Winter Soldier comes out first, yeah. and so she reprises her role as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine to basically set Hawkeye up as the person who killed Black Widow and basically yep. says, Yelena, go go kill.
0: Yelena's working for her. We still don't know what she does. She seems vaguely government-affiliated, but not quite. Like, we we should also mention William Hurt uh, has since passed away. Not a good person, but, you know, a, a large part of the MCU, a surprisingly large part of the MCU. Yeah, I think it's like, what, he, he's in Incredible Hulk, and then he
1: makes that surprise reappearance in Civil War. Yeah. after eight years and then it basically was
0: in all the big movies after that as like the big government boogeyman yeah and and you know is, is was the the end game that they were planning here that she is recruiting him his own avengers squad because he's so fucking frustrated with the avengers he wants one that plays ball are they building a thunderbolts given his name yeah, is Thunderbolt oh God, are, are, we,
1: are we setting up red hulk like, yeah, uh, are we like, setting
0: up a red hole Probably. Not. Well, I mean, I guess then you could just get him just doing voiceover, and you can have a CGI monster. Uh, on yeah, the screen. and that's the
1: thing is, it's like, is he is he going to have been filming scenes for She-Hulk that we don't know about before yeah, before he passed but, away?
0: And can I just say, like, <laughs> at the end of this fucking movie, Natasha's like, "I'll distract them. You all go," and they take a fucking eternity to load up that plane and go. And we see it takes off before the cars even get there. Why doesn't she just get on the fucking plane with them? What is she doing by holding them off? But then they she doesn't even get arrested and we don't know how she talked her way out of it. The, see- the scene is a deleted scene
1: where she like just breaks up uh. her and handcuffs and escapes. And it's oh, like-
0: great. <laughs> what, what the fuck? Anyway, yeah, so he's gone. Good actor, bad person... Unclear where they were going with him. Maybe they are still going somewhere. Maybe she is going to. This was his last wish. He told me to enact this protocol in the event of his death. Yeah, they, like they,
1: they could very easily just say that Julu Dreyfus is replacing Thaddeus Ross, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Like, like, like. And, we, you know, that's a we great guess. She's a we she's a, a very aware.
0: charismatic actress. You know, she's a very good actress. But it just does simply not jive this scene with what happens later. Like, you know, you have Yelena working for her. Go kill Hawkeye. And then it's going to come out that, like, I guess Kate Bishop's mum is is friends with Valentina. And they're like, oh, yeah, Hawkeye's sniffing around my business. Can you take care of him? And then, yeah,
1: it's all yeah. very strange. It, it's weird, and it's like, like, I can feel the cracks in these projects. Because yeah. I, think, I think the biggest complaint that I've got, like, I, I have Black Widow in my bottom five for the MCU. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh...
0: <laughs> Just as when I watched it, liked it, and then let some time go by and I liked it less, and then I watched it again, I'm like, eh, you know, it's kind of okay. And then we talk about it, and I fucking hate the movie, apparently. I still feel it's probably better than, like, Captain Marvel. I think it's better than both Ant-Mans.
1: I haven't rewatched Captain Marvel since the cinema. I feel like my partner would murder me if I rated it badly, because she, she so very deeply loves that movie.
0: I love the character. I, I said at the time, like, that movie is, like here is a fantastic character, hopefully they'll be in good movies from now on. Yes. Is is my feeling on it. Like, I'm all about her performance, I'm all about how they portrayed the character, just the movie isn't very good, is my opinion. I, you know, for all of this film's problems, I think it is inherently far more watchable than all of those movies, and better than those movies, even with those problems, because a lot of these movies have similar problems. But, but yeah, yeah it's still not good, though, um, is the problem. And like, after all this time, They finally do it. Ike's gone. You can have a movie. Oh, their second female solo movie. And yeah, it's a bummer that both of their female-led ones are bad. And even their their co-led one, Ant-Man and the Wasp, also not very good. Let's hope we can get a fucking project going. Like, let's do that Black Widow and Hawkeye movie with two bright young stars and make it really fucking good and uh, do exactly what you said with the flashbacks.
1: (laughs) It It is wild. Yeah
0: that like all of these movies
1: there's no like there's no connectivity between them
0: no and and that's the concerning thing we we've said it already there is no clear forward path there are many tiny little offshoot paths like oh is this young avengers is this thunderbolts is this what's going on in space but there's nothing exciting to latch on like i need to see an avengers team basically <laughs> but i guess the thing is like we
1: we've had four movies so far and i do think that the original plan was the three movies they're coming out with after Endgame are very much like we're not addressing the world. They're like, buying time,
0: like they they've got like a prequel, a thing set way off to the side. You know, like I think there's a lot riding on Doctor Strange two, and there was a lot riding on Thor four, and then whichever one actually ends up coming out between <laughs> Black Panther two and and the Marvels um, at the end of the year, I think it's probably going to be the Marvels. Um, yeah, there's a lot riding on those three to be like. Look, Marvel's back, baby, and yeah, we'll see what happens. But, but,
1: but I think next week probably the most positive <laughs> we're going to be on a
0: movie for this year. Um, um probably yeah. So next week is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We are now halfway through. Our look at last year's
1: slate: three movies, one TV show left after having just done three TV shows and one movie, which yep. definitely was a bit of a sprint in terms of watching things.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's fine, you just shove them on on a Saturday afternoon and just go a bit crazy as they all play out in the background. Yes, so we will see you next week for shang and the Legend of the Ten Rings and uh, we can just talk a gush about Tony Leong for a while. Not ah. probably t- quite to the degree we did Florence Pugh, but still, what a great dude. <laughs> yeah, what a um, great guy. Until then, uh, Ben will be daydreaming about Tony Leung. And, I might just uh, rewatch Chunking Express instead of Chunky. <laughs> I mean, it's going to make for a weird discussion, and we already had one about it. But that's fine. Uh, until then, though, thank you, Benjamin. Uh, thank you for man. your contributions to a movie, uh, an episode that's pissed me off about a project as much as probably any ever has. But that's fine. Uh, and everyone else, Excelsior, Excelsior.